Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your producer and host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the creator and gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. The new year starts with the 101, or the beginner guide, for NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all those metaverse and Web3 topics we keep hearing about. We are all going back to school on Culture Factor to understand this decentralized economy. From creator coins to the tax implications of selling crypto, let's unpack these emerging technologies in really simple terms. Join me and feel free to send in your questions. Would your brand like to sponsor Culture Factor? It is your opportunity to be a part of a podcast that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 89 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com. Subscribe to Culture Factor and share with a friend now. Okay, let's start with our class. Let's get our next guest on. So hello, Culture Factor family. Today I have Meta Parlikar. She is the co-founder and CTO of Casper Labs. She has more than 30 years of tech experience and is considered one of the top women in blockchain. She started working with technology in the early 1980s, building computers in the basement. For the past two decades, she has been delivering production SaaS software for large companies, including Adobe, Omniture, and Avalara. Meta excels in building high-functioning technical teams and inspiring them to deliver solutions that solve customer problems. Meta holds a bachelor's degree in computer information systems and programming from Coleman College. And today, she's here for our Culture Factor family. So hello, Meta. How are you? I'm doing great, Holly. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am very happy to dive in and to share with the audience that Casper Labs is committed to supporting the next wave of blockchain adoption among businesses and providing developers with a reliable and secure framework to build private, public, and hybrid blockchain applications all guided by open source principles. So this brings me to my uh, questions for Meta. Um, what was the impetus for designing this? Well, so I like to look at myself as the classical customer in the enterprise you know, business space, right? I'm a technologist. I was responsible for customers and delivering value to our customers. I was responsible to stakeholders, being the chief technical officer or the board of directors and investors of the companies that I worked at. And whenever I set out to build a product, there were some core things that I needed to be able to do when I'm delivering value to customers. And, you know, I think this is the way all software is built. And when I was, you know, designing the product and you know right after we co-founded Casper Labs it became really evident to me that the blockchain technology in the broader space didn't look at how their business users you know persons like myself would use this technology in a real world business setting and so we set out to build that right that was where the vision really came from for the product is coming from my own personal experience, and I built something that I would use. So it was missing in enterprise and in small business then, and you built it. 
That's right. Uh, so today, if you look at most of the enterprise blockchain implementations, um, Hyperledger, which is a technology that's out there for private blockchain is very widely adopted. But the public blockchain infrastructure or the technologies that back them is really still underutilized in enterprise. And there are technical reasons for that. And I believe that the Casper technology that we've built uh, accurately captures those requirements and actually addresses the problem. So it's open source. So like if a small business comes to you um, or a large or an enter enterprise level business comes to you, they can actually access your blockchain. Is that really what it boils down to? Yes, the technology is based on open source principles. It's fully open source. This is for security reasons. It it is also because you know the public. It's a public protocol it needs to be scrutinized uh, by under the community, right? Very similar to Linux, right? Linux is also open source software, and through the open source software process, you can get greater security guarantees from Linux. It's put under pressure from ethical hackers, as an example, that have exposed security flaws. That's how they get addressed, right? It's broad distribution. So in a lot of startups, you have to think about like, what is the distribution model for your technology or software? And ours is through the open source software principles. So an enterprise, if they wish to, can absolutely use the technology, uh, you know, the open source technology and implement their own implementation of blockchain if they wish to. So you, you mentioned something about public protocol. So is there like an organization, maybe something similar to like a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization that is part of this blockchain to, to ensure like security and availability and transparency? Right. So the Casper ecosystem is broadly broken up into three entities. So one is Casper Labs. We were the original creators of the Casper node software that I talk about when I talk about the Casper technology. And then there is the Casper Association, who are the stewards of a public network known as Casper that is supported by the community. There's a, you know, 100 to 150 participants in the network that run infrastructure and support the public protocol and a wide variety of, you know, a large number of individuals that uh, provide economic security for the public protocol. So this, this is what comprises the public aspect. And the third organization is a decentralized autonomous developers DAO that uh, funds, approves and funds projects that wish to build open source software on the Casper network or perform decentralization research um, or build DAOs um, that could or could not use the Casper technology. But the focus of the, of the DevX DAO is really you know, decentralization. So three entities in the Casper ecosystem um, all meant to kind of support decentralization and adoption of the Casper technology in very different ways. How do you get word out? Like if there is, you know, um, you know, a group coming together to create something, say in the metaverse and they need a blockchain like this, how, how do they find you? Like, uh, you know, how do you get the word out or, or do you go even go seeking those types of projects? 
Right. So the association and the developers DAO absolutely get the word out about, you know, they, they all each have their own impetus to try to grow and develop their organizations and acquire developers. So each of them independently get the word out. We have a very large community of, uh, of people that, you know, we have active telegram groups, active discord groups. We perform hackathons. And right now the Casper Association is doing a big event at consensus, right? So we show up at at uh, blockchain type events. Um, there's obviously marketing initiatives uh, that the association engages in. So there's a wide variety of avenues uh, for us getting the word out. I would say Casper is still relatively under adopted. Um, we're the best kept secret in blockchain uh, based on you know the technology that we've built. So I think you know we will you'll start hearing more and more about the Casper technology through 2022 and into 2023. So definitely, uh, we're still nascent in our adoption curve. Interesting. Um, I, and there's just so many events out there. I mean, when I'm on the show floor walking around, it's it's amazing all that is out there. Um, is, is the blockchain, does that run on like Ethereum? Um, what does it run on? So Casper is a brand new layer one blockchain. Uh, so you can kind of, you know, put Ethereum on one, one side and then Casper on the other. And in terms of categorizing the technology, we're peers, right? Not, we're not peers in the level of our adoption or the size of our ecosystem. But when you look at, you know, when you categorize a layer one technology, Casper and Ethereum fall into the same category. I would also say that, Casper is not based on Ethereum. We are, our relationship to Ethereum is that our consensus protocol and the consensus protocol is the security mechanism that makes the, makes the participants or makes the technology or makes the node or the software agree on a set of transactions, right? And that's what decentralized consensus is all about. It makes the nodes come to consensus. So that technology, that research was born out of Ethereum research. And I worked with you know, several Ethereum researchers for quite a few years to complete that research and then implement the, the blockchain protocol, right? So that's our relationship to Ethereum. We have, we're the only protocol that has actually got uh, a, a real Casper implementation live in production. And if you look at the Ethereum you know, uh, ecosystem or Ethereum news, you'll hear that they're trying to implement a version of Casper in 2.0, right? So that's the relationship uh, between Casper and Ethereum. But we have, we do not use the Ethereum virtual machine. We do not support Solidity contracts on Casper. Uh, we're not actively going after the Ethereum ecosystem, right? We are a separate blockchain. We have a separate uh, virtual machine that is different from Ethereum's virtual machine, right? And so we consider ourselves like, you know, people have called us like a research arm for Ethereum. That's why we have the Casper Labs name, but we are our own separate uh, layer one protocol. That's very interesting. So then actually this really brings me into the question, when you are marketing to businesses, um, how do you demystify or destigmatize the blockchain for them? So we've had a lot of conversations with household name companies. And what I find really interesting and validate, validating actually is my hypothesis around 
you know, when I talk to the technology, right, technology leaders in these organizations, the hypothesis around when you're integrating a protocol or integrating a platform, there's a few things that you need. And I think the most important thing that they need really is control, right? These are, they have governance, internal corporate governance around the technology and products that they offer their customers. Now, this corporate governance could be uh, responsibility to investors and customers, right? It could also be that they're regulated industries. So they have an additional layer of governance where they actually have to meet certain compliance risk rules, right? And regulations because uh, they're, they're in a highly regulated industry. And so when you talk to companies like that, there's a couple of things that they need. And I think the biggest thing that they need is they need to be able to control their smart contracts or control how they use the blockchain. And we observe this in the space because there's a lot of private blockchain deployments. Well, why are there private blockchain deployments? It all comes down to privacy and control, right? But by the same token, they also need the trust of a public protocol because the public protocol offers a lot more security, right? When you, when you run an internal blockchain, it's a glorified database. And blockchain infrastructure is really expensive to use, right? It's a very expensive technology. It's not, it's not nearly as fast or as affordable as a centralized database, right? So what you really want to do for enterprises, you want to marry these two value propositions. You want to marry the control and privacy that they get from a public blockchain with the trust that you get from a public blockchain. And this is a, a value proposition, an offering that we've been able to put together at Casper. And so, you know, at the Casper ecosystem broadly. And so when we talk with these enterprises and I tell them, that you can build on the Casper technology and you don't have to tear out your technology stack and replace it with something new because the Casper ecosystem works with the existing development ecosystem. There's very, very strong resonance, right? And I tell them you can upgrade your smart contracts. There's very strong resonance, right? This resonates with them. Like these are the problems they have been trying to work through and, and having a, our, a virtual machine where you can build smart contracts the way you've always built software, right? Like, I feel like the broader blockchain ecosystem wanted so badly to innovate and it's fantastic that they innovated, but they couldn't innovate in a manner where they also were able to integrate. And it's important, it's really, really important for all of these legacy systems that they're, you're able to integrate this new technology stack into their existing systems. You cannot throw out legacy. And that's, that is the realization that I had. And that's how we really differentiate ourselves from all the other blockchains out there. It's great that you can provide that confidence. So it sounds to me like you recognized what that nuance was, what they were looking for, like to layer it um, so that companies could move from web two to web three. So you kind of saw that missing in the market, it sounds like. Yes. And, and the reason I was able to see it is unlike most of the other founders of these public blockchain protocols who came from academia or came directly out of college with limited business experience, I came from 25 years in enterprise web two software 
that was where I lived and worked for over two decades. And my role in those organizations was to deliver code to production, right? I was responsible for creating features and products, maintaining them, improving them, enhancing them, and making sure they went out to production without any defects. That's what I did. That was, that was my bread and butter. That was the, and that perspective is what I brought when I built Casper. Right? So you can have all the capabilities and features of a public blockchain protocol, but you cannot forget that this is the way software has always been constructed. This is the way it will continue to be constructed. And these, this governance of software, you know, it, it, blockchain people talk a lot about blockchain governance, right? And for them, it's a new thing. For me, it's a really old concept, right? Because I maintain that all software is governed, right? If you're working at Amazon or if you're working at Salesforce or if you're working at you know, Adobe, you can't just willy nilly release software updates to their public software offerings. It goes through multiple checks and balances all the way from the time of deciding whether a feature is valuable to where if a feature is tested and ready for release, whether the product scales and is defect free and ready for customers to adopt. So there's multiple gates that this goes through. So this notion of blockchain governance while decentralizing it is a really interesting problem that needs to be solved. The notion of governance itself is not new, right? But I feel like the broader blockchain community just really forgot about the people, processes, and technology that's used to govern software in an enterprise setting. I'm not so sure that they forgot. I think that there are just generations that are coming into this, um, possibly digitally native, possibly not, um, but are, are just learning about blockchain technology um, and not understanding the decades of infrastructure that and, and levers that had to be pulled, like you were saying, to protect checks and balances, not even understanding that or that they go together. I think actually a lot of people separate blockchain and they say there is web two and there is web three. But what you're saying is they are tightly knit together, have always been, and you really can't separate the two. You cannot separate the two. You cannot have a Web3 experience without Web2, right? And the reality is that blockchain infrastructure, is it's a protocol. It sits way at the back of the experience, right? And it enables you to have a deeper trust in the experience you're having. So I look at it as a trust protocol and I look at you know, web two as an information protocol, right? Information and a content protocol. And then anything you pass through web three, you pass through the blockchain protocol, you can now trust it. That's the way I see web three. And I see, I mean, there's other things about web three that, you know, uh, there's sovereignty around data and that we, we can get into all of that. But really at the most fundamental level is when you pass information through a blockchain protocol, what comes out on the other end is you can trust that information, right? If it's done correctly. And necessarily that implies one other thing that blockchain is a small piece of a much larger web two application infrastructure. And by that, by extension, 
the blockchain infrastructure has to integrate into a web two application stack. Like for me, it is just so obvious. It just, it's just stares me in the face, right? Like I, I have these web two properties. I have this web two capability. I now want to add new, interesting and exciting incentive programs and features for customers so they can have data sovereignty, so they can interact with NFTs so that they can, you know, have trusted interactions or disintermediation of certain functions using my software. But in order to do that, I have to integrate blockchain into my existing, it is a value add, right? Into my existing application. So now I can expose brand new features, functions, and capabilities to my customers, right? That's the way I feel Web3 is gonna be adopted broadly by a lot of software service providers that you know, are around today. That is so well said. <laughs> I, you know, I think that, um, I, I, I think it's your experience that allows you to sit very comfortably and share something like this. I think I find myself in a lot of social audio rooms and reading a lot of newsletters, um, that are just bridging the conversation at web three and blockchain and not looking to, the, to what it should be attached to or thinking it's it's separate from it. So I think we need to pay attention to people who have been using this type of protocol for 20 years. It, it, it doesn't make sense to look at it any other way. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are, are saying they're experts in blockchain, but I guess the, the overriding question would be, wait a minute, are you an expert in Web 2? Because then I might actually believe that you're an expert in Web 3 and blockchain. It's definitely a perspective that I have, which is makes me unique in this space. I mean, as I indicated, like a lot of my counterparts, they are academics and they've done fantastic innovation around consensus protocols and brand new virtual machines. And, and this is all super amazing, right? Like we wouldn't, Casper stands on the shoulder of giants, right? Like we leverage the uh, innovations that have happened in the space from people that came before us. So without a question, right? I'm standing on the shoulder of giants, but by the same token, our contribution to the space is this very unique perspective that we are bringing into the space that we think web two is absolutely integral part of it. It's not going to be a chair out and replace, but really a value add. And there is absolutely incrementalism in all software, right? Software is built very, very incrementally. It's not a one shot, one and done. And I think a lot of other blockchains look at this notion of, you know, immutability above all else. And I think immutability is massively important that's the value proposition of blockchain. That's where the trust comes in is that this happened, right? I know this happened and you can never reverse it because it's on the blockchain. But the same token, by the same token is immutability should not extend into the future, right? We don't know what the future holds. Like we have no idea what, you know, new regulatory frameworks are going to emerge, right? Businesses have no idea that they have to pivot their business models or need to offer new features. So. From our perspective, immutability is really, really important when you're looking at the past, right? That's where the trust comes in. But when you're looking forward into the future, you need to have some flexibility. And that's something that, you know, Casper provides natively and that sets us apart. And a lot of other blockchain protocols have had to come up with workarounds 
to provide this flexibility because it wasn't actually purpose built with that in mind. And so we we built the blockchain protocol so that you can build your smart contracts incrementally. You can add new features. You can grow and develop and increase your engagement with the blockchain protocol as your business is ready to do so. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. I think that this is such an interesting conversation and so timely. Um, I, I, I believe, and I actually have always believed, not from the uh, seat you're in, because um, I'm not a technologist, but um, I've always felt that Web3 can't exist without Web2. But I think there's a lot of people out there that think um, Web3 is just like a separate entity and can be, and that you, like you're saying, workarounds, work backwards towards, but it sounds like they might be setting themselves up for um, a lot of um, discrepancies maybe in the, um, the contracts later, things that they can't expect because they're building backwards instead of using a base like you have. Right. So like if we look at what the internet did, right? So the internet actually did provide some decentralization. And so what did the internet actually disintermediate? Um, I, I've, I've been, I've observed, right, the, inter, the evolution of the internet and its adoption, right? I was there in 1995 with dial-up and I worked at a content company known as mp3.com, which is very, very big in 1999 and 2001. And, you know, we saw the future of content. We saw the future at mp3.com of music. We saw, you know, what people refer, you know, Shazam, where you take your phone, you point it to a song or you hear something on radio and now you can, it, it matches the song and it'll let you buy it right then and there. We saw all of that. We saw streaming over the web. We had to wait for Silicon to catch up to us. So how did, how, you know, what is YouTube, right? YouTube disintermediated the creation of content, right? Um, that doesn't mean YouTube still isn't a big centralized player in the space, but it provided enablement for people to create their own content, to create their own revenue streams, to basically become a YouTube influencer. That was not possible in 1999, right? In fact, mp3.com was sued by the RIAA, who centrally controlled all content that was created, all music that was created in 1999 was controlled by the RIA. It's very centrally controlled. And the internet disintermediated that through tools like YouTube, right? By providing that enablement to create content. You can also do that now freely create, become an influencer, a music influencer on YouTube or create, you know, cooking videos on YouTube, right? So the internet did a fantastic job in disintermediating content and it really upended the entire content creation industry, right? And I believe that Web3 is going to do the exact same thing when it comes to disintermediating financial transactions, disintermediating legal contracts. I think that the finance and legal industry was not really 
unscathed at all by the internet, right? They emerged from that really untouched. Whereas retail, right? Retail was also disintermediated. You can go to Etsy and you see all of these cottage industries. You can go onto Amazon and you see all of these individual Amazon storefronts that are run by individuals. And they provide infrastructure and capability for anybody to spin up an online store. And that's terrific, right? There's still central entities, right? And so I believe Web3 will do something very similar. It will disintermediate and provide a lot more access to capital creation, uh, entrepreneurship, and financial markets and legal, you know, access to disintermediate legal contracts. But I do believe in the final analysis, there will still be some centralized entities, some centralized offerings that will be stewards of these decentralized protocols that will enable consumers and individuals to engage in C2C contracts, right? Just like we see, we saw the disintermediation of content, right? And, and incumbents have also participated, right? So you see Disney Plus now offering streaming services for content. They arrived to the game late, but they're still very much, you know, a predecessor, right? Disney has been an enduring company. They were there before, they're gonna be there after, right? And so, we see these companies, I see them still existing, right, in the brave new world of Web3. I don't think they're going to go away, right? And this includes banking institutions and big banks. I, I just don't see it. Just, I don't see them disappearing. I see them evolving, right? And I see them evolving and adopting this technology. Well, I think Meta is a visionary. I love this. Um, are you creating anything at Casper Labs that would, you know, we've talked about serving like enterprise, uh, you know, with your with your system and your offerings. I, I've had some interviews like with Dapper Labs and Block Party and, and companies like that. And you see like Coinbase, for example, having their NFT arm. So a lot of these companies now are trying to help businesses, brands, um, shift from web two to web three in terms of how they uh, work with their customers, you know, like uh, an NFT project um, that maybe has utility that allows them to delight their customers and, and continue to grow with them and create a fan base. Is Casper creating anything like that? So absolutely. In fact, just today, I'm really pleased to announce that we have entered into a partnership with Block V and Smart Media. Uh, Block V and Smart Media are giants in the NFT brand space, right? They have been building programmable NFTs for about five years. And if you see some of the NFT technology that they've built, they literally, you can go on a treasure hunt that uses geolocation to find you know, uh, to get to the NFT, right? And so they have this incredible technology to even gamify NFTs, right? And they're going to be building on Casper, right? And we're going to be doing a phenomenal partnership with them and working with, you know, they're working with Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 brands to bring exactly this kind of value proposition to brands. And brands are definitely looking at NFT technologies, especially if you think about like brands that are retail brands, right? Because if it's a retail brand, what is, <clears throat> what's their business model? Their business model is they sell to wholesalers or they sell to distributors. And once they do that, they have no connection to the customer, right? So imagine I buy a product from a retail outlet or a retail establishment. And now 
I have an opportunity to scan a QR code that gives me this unique NFT experience. And when I claim that NFT, now that brand knows that have made a connection with me, a one-to-one -one connection with me through this NFT technology, through this NFT. And now what they can do, they can airdrop me offers. They can gamify that NFT. They can have an understanding of you know, what product it is I bought. And they can establish a deep and enduring relationship with me as a consumer. That is something they cannot do today, right? Um, the retail establishment owns the customer information. And there's no way for these brands to reach in and make that connection. But now with this NFT technology, they, they really can't, right? They can build a fan base and a following and they can connect to them. And the really interesting thing is, is this data as a consumer is also self-sovereign, right? As, an, as a customer, I can choose to engage with that wallet. So let's say, for example, I hold an NFT for a particular brand and I go to their website and I sign in with my blockchain wallet onto their website and they can now examine that wallet. I've authorized them to examine that wallet by signing in. They can now examine that wallet and they can see all of the products that I've purchased. But me as the consumer, I'm ultimately in charge of whether I choose to engage with their website. But let's say I go and take a survey or I interact with that website or I refer a friend, I can then get a special coupon code or be rewarded for my interactions specifically with that brand, right? Not possible today, right? And so this kind of brand engagement is really, really interesting to these retail brands because it's not possible today. In this web two world, they cannot do that because they don't own that end interaction unless I purchase directly from their website, right? And then if I do that, the only thing I get is email marketing, right? And we all know what happens with email marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And if, if I get an offer in my email and I want to engage with that offer in my email, I have to go to the email. I have to copy paste the offer. I have to put it into a web browser and then I can engage. But if I just log in with my web wallet, all my NFTs are already in there they can airdrop an offer to me directly in that wallet and I can apply it directly on the website. So guess what? The interaction becomes absolutely seamless. It all happens real time in that session and I'm directly rewarded for my interactions, right? So the, the user experience has this incredible potential, right? And brands see this and they're super excited about it. So we're really excited to be partnering with Block V because they know how to deliver this phenomenal experience, this gamified NFT experience, and they've got great relationships with these big household name brands. That's incredible. I'm um, really happy to hear that that is the next iteration for Casper Labs. I didn't expect our interview to go this direction, but it's just perfection that you, we went down this road. Um, I think that um, that is definitely the new frontier for the direct-to-consumer experience. It's going to be how brands create an NFT um, and fill it with utility to really delight their customers, to continue to surprise them, uh, to create fandom, um, to create experiences that they maybe didn't see coming, or perhaps they do. Maybe there is a, a, a legitimate roadmap that they'll deliver on. I think it's a new frontier, and I think it's 
for me personally, it's very exciting because I come from 15 plus years in, in the event and conference space where we were creating experiences and, you know, were one-on-one with the customers when we were, you know, at events, um, or if they were our customer. And, um, I think that, um, that piece of it, that type of, um, what's the word that I want to use? Um, relationship building, um, is, is not, I don't want to say is lost, but I don't know that a lot of people entering web three have that, like they understand like that relationship building part. Like I, that's where I'm, I think like you believe that web three can't operate without web two. Like we need to take the things that were really good in web two. And I think relationships, creating legacy clients, um, five-star hospitality, you know, all of those things that went into building relationships in the past, I think need to go into the future. Um, otherwise we're only thinking in the moment, like what's the activation, what's the experience and it falls flat. Um, that's just my personal experience. I, I don't know if you see that as well, but I mean, I see Web3 as an augmentation and evolution of Web2, right? That's why it's called Web3. It's not called something completely different. It's not called, you know, something different. It's called Web3. By definition, if we're really going to call it Web3, we shouldn't think of it as something that is completely separate and different from Web2, but an evolution of Web2, right? Mm -hmm. And as an evolution of Web2, by definition, it encompasses everything that Web2 is today and improves upon it. And that's... That's what it needs to be, right? So I think there's a, probably a little bit of cognitive dissonance when they're saying, oh, it's Web3, it's separate from Web2. Like, but it, it's an evolution of Web2, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the name, it's an evolution of Web2. That's I right. agree. I agree. Yeah. Well said, Meta. This was really wonderful. I'm so glad that, um, you know, we, we started off talking about enterprise, but I'm li- I love that uh, to hear that your business is now branching uh, into this other direction with uh, Block V and Smart Media. I think it's sounds like a perfect marriage. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, we're not, I mean, it's one of the avenues, right? So, you know, Casper Labs and the Casper ecosystem is all about scaling out the adoption of blockchain, right? And so how do we see scaling it out? Will we see working ourselves working with really smart partners in the space like Block V? We see ourselves working with Web2 type companies creating you know new value add features inside their existing product offerings so they can offer it to thousands of customers hundreds of enterprises right so we very much see ourselves as a b2b play um, and integrating the casper technology into these other product offerings so that consumers can benefit from the technology in their experience that is amazing. I want to thank you. I think this was such a great, actually, primer for for people that are listening to my show to sort of understand the underpinnings of uh, a successful Web3. So thank you for coming on Culture Factor. It was really my pleasure, Holly. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Welcome.